Hi everyone, this is Straight Talk with the Doc, a podcast where you get expert insight on all things mental health, addiction, and treatment related. My name's Haley, and I'm here with addiction medicine specialist, Dr. Bott. Hey Haley, how are you? I'm doing great. So, in recent years, behavioral addictions have been getting more recognition, with gambling disorder being added to the DSM, and even disorders like internet gaming disorder being recognized. From my understanding, although terms like internet addiction, or more specifically, social media addiction, are not listed in the DSM, there's been more research to suggest that these disorders can have serious and negative effects on people's lives. I think something that's been gaining more attention and that we see getting reported on in the media now is people falling into dangerous social media use that leads them to find conspiracy theories or lose touch with reality in other ways. So I want to get into all of that today, but first I want to define what behavioral addictions are. Dr. Bott, can you help define that term? First of all, I want to disclaim behavioral addiction is a term that's not uh, officially in the DSM-5. And the DSM-5, for those who are listening who don't know what it is, it's really basically the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic Manual on how we diagnose mental health conditions and addictive disorders. So a behavioral addiction spins off from the understanding of addictive behaviors that happen traditionally or more commonly with substance use disorders, repetitive, maladaptive, uh, just unhealthy relationships with using drugs or alcohol. And similarly, we kind of used the word addiction when we saw that happening with a certain activity that people engaged in. And as you mentioned in the introduction, there are many activities that people are starting to do and starting to engage in that are resulting in them having impairment in their life as a whole. They start to neglect themselves. They start to have social and familial and uh, school or work, um, you know, dysfunction. And it really happens when somebody engages in an activity or behavior to the point where it's basically consuming them their thoughts, their urges, and without the activity or with the activity often causes a lot of distress. And ultimately, um, the engagement in that activity causes um, a negative consequence for them and, or others in, in, their, in their lives. So um, it's becoming a big problem. So behavioral addictions and um, substance use disorders, like it sounds like they have a lot of similarities with the negative effects. Is that correct? Yeah. And um, again, I think when we start getting to the point where some, either the behavior, regardless if it's using a substance or um, being on the internet, where that behavior is to a degree where it's negatively negatively affecting you um, or those around you or those who rely upon you physically, emotionally, socially, um, definitely it, it becomes a, um, it's not a positive thing. And um, I think we relate it together because the initial relationship often is because we're pursuing a reward. And that reward becomes so powerful that it either is um, the motivating factor to continue behaving a certain way or using a drug or alcohol but often that that reward becomes less over time 
that's tolerance, we have to continue doing more and more of it, that um, it just becomes a vicious cycle. So there's, there's a lot of commonality there. So why aren't behavioral addictions as recognized? Like anything, when things aren't formalized, they often aren't recognized. So being that the, the scientific literature didn't put it down on paper, uh, often it's not accepted in um, you know, the scientific or medical community. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like anything, when we start to discover things, um, it, it's a process of research and experimentation and discovery before it becomes official. So with behavioral addictions, we have started that process already by identifying one, the, a gambling disorder. And that is an official behavioral uh, addiction that has been um, identified. And um, I believe over time, you are gonna see more official diagnosis of various behavioral addictions um, be solidified and uh, recognized in the medical community. During my research on this topic, I kept coming across the word compulsion. So I kind of wanted to ask you about that. You know, is there a difference between a compulsion and an addiction? You know, what is the difference? I think addiction becomes the global disorder, the global disease, where compulsion is just a component that we see within it. And so we often hear that term compulsion often related um, with, with obsessions. So I Obsessions are basically uh, an intense, intrusive, repetitive thought, and a compulsion is the activity or the undoing um, of those thoughts. And um, so compulsions um, would make up often behaviors that um, you know are incorporated within an addiction, but in itself is not an addiction. So getting into internet addiction and you know, internet addiction, I'm using air quotes around the word addiction because I think believe I'm correct in saying that it's not actually recognized, but how would you define that? You know, what would characteristics of internet addiction be? Let's look, let's split it apart. So addiction being a chronic brain disease, disorder of, of reward, motivation, related brain circuitry, memory. And when you're using in a, in a, in a manner um, either using a substance or a behavior to a degree that it ultimately has negative consequences in your life. These are often hallmarked by the inability to stop doing something um, that affects your behavior negatively, that you crave it or have urges, that you don't recognize that these things are bad for you, and it causes a lot of emotional ups and downs in your life. So if you transition that or switch it to apply to any behavior activity, um, that's really where you know they become applicable. So in the in the when you're talking about internet addiction, so if somebody's use of the internet is is so destructive or so detrimental that they can't function healthy um, in other aspects of their of their lives, well then as it if that definition that I just mentioned applies while using the internet, then, you know, we would say that they have an internet addiction. And for somebody in your field, is this common? Like, is this something that is seen or people talk about and experience, you know, having detrimental effects from internet use? I think what we see is the, that intertwined with the other behaviors that they're using the internet for. 
so often we will see people who have a gambling addiction, but they're accessing that gambling site through the internet or pornography addiction, and they're accessing it through the internet or, you know, very shopping. So various things that they're using the internet for and social media, social media is a big one that we see people being so consumed with, and it's, it's almost the, it's an unrealistic thing. And, um, especially again, I have to put this in context that when we're talking about unrealistic and detrimental, we're not talking about the casual user of internet or social media or somebody who makes one simple sports bet, um, uh, using the internet. No, we're talking about people who are using this in, in a constant battle with themselves, with others, with isolation, with, you know, negative consequences to their mental health, and it, it becomes a serious problem. So, you know, even though we're speaking about it, we're talking about things that are causing, um, you know, extreme, extreme consequences and uh, as a result of extreme behaviors. When I was doing research on this, I saw that social media interactions actually generate dopamine in the brain. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think we hear the word dopamine, which is a neurochemical that is, you know, thrown out a lot when we talk about addiction and people, you know, they hear dopamine, but what is really dopamine is just, it's a chemical. It's a chemical associated with us feeling good. And when we do something that, um, makes us feel happy. It's often because dopamine has been activated and it's going up and it, and, and often it feels rewarding when we get pleasure from something. And so if something, an activity or a drug increases dopamine and creates a certain pleasurable effect, it's, it's, it's rewarding for us and, and it motivates us to, to do it again. And that's where you can see that cycle starts to, to develop. And, and so, you know, a lot of people who have engaged in really negative relationships with with any of these things that we mentioned before using the internet as a vehicle well the internet often becomes that uh you know that tool to continue that uh unfortunate destructive behavior and you mentioned social media and um, you know i don't want to knock social media but being that so many people are attached to their phones and their computers and we're no longer separated um, you know, it does become a problem when we, we don't have any sort of barrier between us and, and, and everybody. And, you know, on, the, on those that are impressionable or those that might have risk factors, having access to constant stimulation uh, of other people's um, perceived achievements or um, successes or, you know, it can cause a lot of problems. And so, um, you know, I, I don't want to get off solely on social media, but, um, you know, uh, I think people can hear that uh, I see it as a problem uh, for those vulnerable individuals. Yeah, I mean, that's something I want to talk about, too. I feel like those vulnerable individuals could be young people. You know, when we were growing up, I didn't constantly have social media in my face, you know, but a lot of kids, really young kids, they have that now. You know, how do you think that that could affect their brains in the long term? Studies and research has shown that, you know, if we are uh, inundated with certain things at a certain age, um, you know, nature and nurture and, um, you know, our genetics and epigenetics, that means environmental influence on um, 
our internal construct um, can, you know, basically unmask certain mental health conditions. And so we talk about young people, and you mentioned this, that, you know, they're, they're going through a, a period of emotional, physical, psychological change. Hormones are flowing and changing, and it's, it's a very vulnerable time um, if certain insults are, um, you know, uh, if, if they're exposed to certain insults. And when I use the term insult, I'm talking about anything that can cause uh, un, un, undue um, distress or duress. And so how does social media, um, you know, come into play here is that, you know, with, with the access of cell phones and smartphones and having internet at the touch of our fingertips, and they, you know, people having access to Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram, and TikTok, and these are forms of entertainment. But when it gets into this um, competitive one-upmanship of, you know, look at me, it's basically kind of, you know, trying to portray a certain sense of, um, you know, identity that often becomes uh, unrealistic. And, and let's just be honest that when you are, are a person who's growing, going through uh, biological, neurobiological, and physical changes, um, the amount of um, receptor alteration in your brain can be, uh, can be affected because our, our brains are built on feedback mechanisms. The amount of exposure to certain things um, creates a response. So if you do anything in excess that disrupts your brain's balance, it actually will alter the way it was supposed to evolve. So when something becomes so addictive that they engage in it in, in a way that is unhealthy, it can unmask, unfortunately, um, illnesses that might not have been um, might not have been there, or it can create certain types of illnesses um, due to just the unrealistic expectation or uh, perception that they are uh, they are perceiving. And um, I don't want to make this too long-winded, but in the end of the day, you know, people often, you know, want to mimic what they see. And on a, on a young, impressionable mind, um, so many things are happening there at that time. And trying to keep up with the other person, uh, especially because they're not seeing that that might be an artificial reality, um, it, it can start to create distorted um you know, idealized things that they can't keep up with them. And it causes a lot of stress, anxiety, and depression. And we're seeing that quite a bit in the child and adolescent population. Exactly. You know, I was going to say that's something we've seen in recent years is that young girls who use more social media have a higher risk for suicide. Yeah, yeah we're seeing that a lot because social media becomes a, a vehicle for, um, like I said before, look at me. I mean, and and also, um, you know, people want to show off. I mean, people spend so much time focused on themselves. And uh, social media is a platform to just, you know, talk about you. And, and that in itself is very addictive. And, and, and people gain a lot of pleasure about hearing about themselves and talking about themselves. And it's, 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 it's very uh, interesting phenomenon. But... Um, it's just when 
young people, they're not able to critically analyze things the way that mature adults can. And so that's where they are most vulnerable because they don't know and they're not able to tease out as well what's right and what's wrong or put as much analysis into it. So when somebody might be taking a picture of themselves and puts a little subtitle that says, oh, look at me in the morning, yet they don't know that they might have spent five hours trying to take that picture in multiple different ways and change their outfit 50 different times. And again, it sets up unrealistic expectations. And then these people try to achieve these things and it causes uh, um, really an unrealistic uh, amount of stress. It's also um, a vehicle for people bullying one another. And that kind of leads to, you know, what you had mentioned about suicidal ideation. You know, with this trying to keep up with other people, peer pressure, you know, social idealism, and um, people often are bullied through these things. And um, they're constantly checking and constantly looking for affirmation through social media and the internet. And uh, it's, it's becoming devastating. And um, yeah, we've seen many people um, actually in psychiatric emergency rooms, adolescents um, who have acted out and self-harm due to something that they saw, read, or were told via the internet or social media. And it's very sad. And also, like you said earlier, you know, they're trying to live up to something and be something that isn't real. You know, it's really not possible. Um, and I've, you know, I've experienced that as well as a woman looking at, you know, like Instagram, everybody looks perfect. And you have to remind yourself that like, that's not real, you know, so it kind of like makes you lose touch with reality, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, we say that and somebody could ask, you know, Dr. Bond, you and Haley, what are you guys talking about? You know, we're all around it, you know, uh, where it's around us all the time. I mean, a magazine is edited and and a uh, a billboard uh, is not just posted up there without obviously a lot of marketing and a lot of thought going into it. Similarly, when somebody's putting stuff out there on social media or whatever, they're not going to want to do it in a way that shows them in a bad light. But the fact that we're walking around with phones and we have, it's such the accessibility, it's a constant flooding and the fact that when initially it might be rewarding and it creates that dopaminergic flood, the fact that it causes you to feel good for a period of time, it's just become so much more reinforcing that you continue to do it over and over and over again in this addictive way that it becomes compulsive. Um, I mean, the compulsions lead to this addictive type of behavior that you're not only using it to feel good, but almost you don't know when to stop. And then not only do you not know when to stop, that you start to neglect certain aspects of your, your, your life, but then you continue to do it that not only are you using it to feel good anymore, you're using it to escape bad feelings. So there's this other side of it. So if I'm depressed or I'm anxious or I'm sad, now I go to internet or I go to social media, I'm looking for a like, I'm looking for somebody to comment on something that I've posted and what if it's not there? How do you feel? So if you're already depressed, sad, and anxious, and you're looking for something and you don't get it, it just adds fuel to the fire. It just really this vicious cycle develops or continues. Definitely. 
Yeah, definitely. It's that validation, that need for validation. So for people who are struggling with that, who can't really control their internet or social media use, can they actually experience withdrawal symptoms? I think that's that's something that we don't talk about or people don't, you know, don't even recognize. But we even see it, see it in people who might not suffer from addiction. You know, we just become so habitualized to doing certain things that when we stop doing them, we feel this sense of, um, you know, foreign foreignness. Like, wait a minute, what's going on? And it, you might not recognize it as withdrawal, but you you know you could feel a certain amount of apathy, you know, a certain amount of anxiety. You could feel like you're missing out on something or missing something, and you might not be able to put your finger on it. But this can even happen to people who are conditioned to any reasonable activity that they're not doing in an addictive way. So yes, when somebody is uh, be having a behavioral disorder or a behavioral addiction, excuse me, or a substance use addiction, um, when they stop, there's withdrawals in, in, in many different ways. And, and it usually um, happens uh, from an emotional and the psychological side. So earlier, you sort of mentioned that, you know, this internet or social media use might trigger or bring out, you know, maybe a mental health disorder that was underlying that may have not necessarily been brought out. So I wanted to ask, could social media addiction just be a symptom of anxiety or depression? Yeah, when I think I mentioned it when we were talking about, um, you know, often we'll go to seek out something that's pleasurable. Um, if, you know, that's the flip side of the, the addiction that, you know, it's the negative reinforcement, meaning I'm feeling bad, I'm feeling anxious, and now I'm going to use um, something that's going to make me feel better. And so if it's a behavioral thing, how many times have we heard, oh, I'm going to go shopping, I'm feeling sad, I'm going to go buy something. And, and, and that's just, that's an example in a small way. But imagine if that just is a continuous thing. So if, if we use the internet and the behaviors via the internet or social media to make us feel better, that's just a, uh, an example of negative reinforcement of, of um, you know, social media or internet to continue. So um, it's used to continue. So yeah, if I have an underlying anxiety or depression and I'm using this to levitate myself or remove myself from that feeling, well, it's only gonna be embedded in my memory that this got me out of it. And then I'm gonna, when I'm not using it again, I'll further, um, you know, it'll lead me to use it or explore, or attempt to explore using it in the, in, in the future. So, and that's how habits and, and uh, you know, develop. Um, and so, um, and we see that play out more commonly with substance use disorders. You know, many people who have depression or anxiety as an underlying thing, it's, it's exacerbated because we use an artificial means to feel better. And we use it through illicit substances or alcohol. And um, you can do that similarly with a behavior that you can't keep up with or an action or an activity that you can't keep up with. And if it's done through social media or the internet um, and you don't address the underlying problem in itself, it's just setting you up to you know, be unsustainable. So um, yeah, it, it can unmask, it can, it, it can mask, but ultimately if you're not addressing the underlying problem, um, it's only gonna make it worse. And it can also, you know, like you said, it kind of makes it worse. It can encourage 
bad behaviors. And I saw that higher Instagram use has been associated with a greater tendency towards eating disorders. And I know this is something I read about a while back. It's like there's almost kind of like a group of people, you know, and they kind of encourage each other in really negative ways. Um, do you also think that social media kind of perpetrates the glamorization of like drug use and alcohol use, you know, kind of like a party lifestyle? For, for those people that do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I'm, I just said it in the beginning and I, I want to repeat it now is that, you know, we're not trying to say that all social media or, or everything um, is, is negative uh, or the internet's not negative. I mean, we want to make that clear, but yeah, for those that are engaging in, in it or, or using it in a, in, a, in a negative way, of course, I mean, these things can have um, undue consequences and um, there are groups and people who, you know, aggregate together. And uh, unfortunately, it's it's like-mindedness. Uh, you know, people tend to be attracted to people who are similar to them or have similar, you know, um, beliefs uh, or, or similar hobbies or, or similar um, tendencies. So when you see people who might engage in um, bad activities or unhealthy activities, and that group clusters together, you're only increasing that surface area when you have a medium that, um, you know, can incorporate you, um, your message getting out to hundreds and thousands and millions of people. So, um, yeah, it's a very powerful tool. And if, if used negatively, unfortunately, not everybody has a good filter or is um, understanding how to receive those messages. So if you get a group of people who uh, unfortunately are sending out a collective negative message, well, you know, you just have uh, more power. Uh, and unfortunately, um, in the if it's received by a vulnerable and impressionable person, um, you're just capturing one more person to uh, increase that power. And, you know, uh, that's why we watch out for, for the younger population here. And, uh, you know, this is where we need to set limits. And um, if I was a parent out there who's listening to this, definitely you want to have that discussion with your um, teenage, uh, you know, or adolescent child, because uh, without limits to any sort of behaviors, you know, this stuff can become dangerous. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a good point. And, you know, like you said, it depends on how you use it. You know, some people use social media to connect with others who have the same interests and hobbies, you know, they can make friends. I also know for people in the recovery community, you know, that's a really strong place where they connect with each other and they encourage each other in a healthy and positive way. But for those who, you know, kind of have a bad effect from it, you know, what can they do if social media is causing issues in their life? You know, is there a way for them to seek out help? Many private organizations, um, they do have treatments specifically targeted for behavioral addictions and, um, you know, often called process addictions. And I didn't mention that on the outset, but uh, yeah, there are treatment programs and uh, rehabilitation facilities that actually can treat both a substance use disorder or a behavioral addiction together. And again, even though we haven't really formalized these um classifications in any major textbook, 
the research and the inclination to do so is there. But um, the, being that they all fall under the umbrella of addiction and that whole kind of um, process of doing an activity or using a certain drug increases a certain you know, um, chemical that provides a reward. And that whole cycle tends to mimic one another. They're often treated with the same modality. So you see that treatment often present um, with uh, where you where, where addiction and mental health treatment is provided. Um, so that is that is a, a, a positive. So um, that is there. And um, another thing I wanted to mention that you, you said prior to that about, you know, we're not trying to paint the internet and social media in a negative way. Uh, with, with COVID and the pandemic, I mean, without it, the world wouldn't have been able to survive. I mean, in, in, in that sense, it's so positive of how many beneficial things um, have happened as the result of the internet and our ability to communicate, um, you know, that way. But um, obviously, we're not trying to, we're trying to show, um, you know, the harm that can, re that can result uh, when it's not used in a, in a healthy way. And just to be able to recognize it, you know, um, if we see or somebody sees people who continuously are consumed with being on the computer, looking for that affirmation, spending lots of money, constantly thinking about, you know, um, getting some sort of uh, response, who uh, are starting to neglect their social family, uh, school or employment, and um, behaviors start to change, mood starts to alter. Um, you know, they, these are signs and symptoms that, you know, uh, an internet or, or um, behavioral addiction is there with the internet being that vehicle. So um, just wanted to, you know, mention that again, as we come to, you know, the end of this uh, podcast episode. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's so important too to talk about it, especially for those, you know, those high risk groups, like those, you know, young girls who might, you know, be at risk, honestly. Um, so thank you for going over that. We have resources on addictioncenter.com that talk about behavioral addictions and risky social media use if you want to check those out and learn more. There's more episodes of Straight Talk with the Doc on Addiction Center, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, so make sure to check those out. And thank you for tuning in, and we hope to have you next time for another episode.